enterprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is a unique one. Gear and shoes is a big part of every runner's life, no matter how fast or how much you run. And with that in mind, I'm talking to two people who are literal experts in this field. So they come from BelieveInTheRun.com and on every social media channel and YouTube. That is Robbie Redinger and Thomas Newberger. These guys, along with the rest of their team, put out such great stuff in regards to shoes, that it's my go-to resource when I'm looking up which shoes to buy, or I'm just curious about what's going on with new shoes once they're released, or if I'm just looking to procrastinate a little bit, I probably spend too much time on their site, truth be told, but I love it. And it's because they put out such great reviews and they utilize a lot of people within the process. And they just, they talk about shoes in a technical and, you know, kind of down to earth way that I really appreciate it. And before I try on a shoe, I feel like I know what I'm getting. With that in mind, this episode, we touch on a couple different things. First of all, 2020 is going to be a banner year for shoes. It's, it's very evident that that's going to be the case. And I'm so excited to talk about some of the new additions. I also want to talk about 2019's bests and talk about something that's really near and dear to my heart as someone who loves to save money on shoes, the best shoes that have been discontinued because those are also the ones that you can get the best deals on. So with that being said, here is my episode with Thomas and Robbie. Hi, Thomas and Robbie. Thanks for hopping on the show. What's yeah, going on, man? we're psyched to be here. I'm excited to be you know, working with you guys and be talking about all things shoe related. I've been a big fan of your site for a while. You guys do such great work and it's so nice to get all the the insight that your site provides in a very subjective um, you know, shoe world. And first of all, I thought I thought we'd start off is I really haven't been paying attention to shoes in the last eight years or so because after I read Born to Run, I just assumed that shoes weren't important. So I'm <laughs> yeah. just assuming that all you guys, you know, all you guys feature now our sandals and moccasins is that is that pretty much it yeah because we'd love to see people with stress fractures and broken metatarsals <laughs> it's our favorite thing about that. Yeah. <laughs> we're actually sponsored by the uh, local hospital here yeah. so yeah we tell people to run barefoot but all makes, the time it makes us uh better at racing because we can beat more people yeah so. we throw on the vapor fly you're barefoot there's no contest <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what i i am one of those people who definitely benefited from the born to run movement because i actually had then after that i converted from being a heel striker to a midfoot four striker and i did it in a very like gradual way and to this day i've never had injuries since but i i like witnessed so many people not do it the right way and i was like oh boy this was this is like talk about unintended consequences yeah well no i, I mean christopher mcdougall did did everybody a favor by kind of getting the shoes down to what we see today, like certain shoes that I love and we'll probably talk about later, like the Saucony Kimbara, never would have come around if there wasn't the born to run movement, moving shoes down to more minimal, lighter, um, less, you know, like if you think about what shoes were out then, you had a lot of uh, stability shoes, you had a lot of people putting in posting and all these different things. And and you're going to see is trending to where we are now. They, they've gotten rid of a lot of the BS in shoes 
made them lighter, faster. And that's all because of things that we learned. I think the pendulum swung really far to the right and then it swung really far to the left. And now it's sort of, you know, it dabbles in the middle and there's shoes choices for everyone. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. And I appreciate you saying that. So you guys were just at the running event. We're going to talk about all things 2020 and beyond in a little bit. But hey, we're still in 2019. So let's just talk about some of our favorite shoes, especially your favorite shoes, because you've seen and tested so many more than I have. So we'll just go through the, some categories. We'll do easy for, for easy running, for workouts, for short races, and for marathons. And when I say you know workouts, we can kind of segment that too into like the longer, you know, like the long run with tempo and threshold stuff mixed in versus kind of the shorter stuff, say you know the the six by eight hundreds on the road or a local track or something like that. So first things first, uh, Thomas, we'll start with you. Your favorite easy run shoe of two thousand nineteen? It just came out, so it's it's a late comer in the game. But the New Balance ten eighty V ten will work for just about anyone and it's great it's lightweight it's got a nice fitting upper a little bit stretchy knit upper uh no problems with hot spots or anything like that and just has that right amount of cushioning with a lightweight package it's not super lightweight but definitely something that you can use for you know your six mile daily runs all the way up to your you know 20 mile training runs and stuff like that and i i was just surprised i haven't run in these but i have seen them at a local running store and you know, kind of like pawed over them for a little bit. It's so interesting when you see these like, high, you know, kind of the higher stack type shoes. And for those who don't know, stack is kind of like the height of the midsole um, and outsole combined. Um, seeing these higher stack shoes, which aren't that you would never categorize as heavy. And it, it, it for me, it still takes some getting used to. And they have that newer foam, which is so, you know, it kind of has that, that, that spongy feel to it, which you know will be, you know, kind of, not only comfortable, but provide someone, especially on an easy run, a little bit more of a give and certainly less responsive than some other shoes. Yeah, that Fresh Foam X that's in the uh, 1080 V10 is a really nice, it, it gives that cushion, but also gives you that bounce back off uh, takeoff. So it, it really does a nice job. And you're right, it doesn't weigh as much as some of the traditional foams. And, and that's the real story in running right now is the, the lighter foams that are coming out. Absolutely. All right, Robbie, how about you? Um, so I've actually been injured like most of this year. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, was running bare, he was running barefoot. Yeah. Uh, so, there it is. Uh, my, actually, last year in my fall marathon cycle, I ended up with like a high hamstring tendinopathy, with, which if anyone's had it, it's like the worst thing ever. Um, but And I know you've kind of had some injury stuff going on too, Matt. Um, but I will say I did do my share of re- reviewing and – I think as far as an easy day shoe, um, uh, I had, I'll say like my best all around shoe. Let me just go for that because it covers a lot of those things was the Nike Epic React 2. And I feel like it's a shoe that covers the longer distances. In fact, I ran my marathon last year in it, but it, you can also do tempo work in it. It has that cushion. It's still a little bit firm, offers some nice responsiveness to it. Um, that was definitely one of my favorite shoes of this year. And it's beautiful. And it, yeah, you just look good in it. <laughs> right. And it's funny, like, it's funny how like that can play a part. I know I do most of my running when it's still dark outside. So looks be damned. Like, in fact, the, the, the worst looking the shoe, maybe the more safer, the, it could be safer for me. 
you know, with all with all due respect to any shoe that I'm wearing. So for you, when you think about, you know, an all-around shoe, Robbie, what are some of the factors that you personally like to consider in terms of just things that you like to see? And, I'll, and for example, like me, I, you know, I, all things being equal, I would prefer a low drop shoe versus say like an eight to 12 millimeter. Yeah. Uh, as far as drop, I do like something in the middle. Uh, for me, something that's lightweight is the most important thing. I've reviewed a lot of shoes that click into that 10 and a half to 11 ounce range and they just feel like bricks on my feet. And I think a lot of people, when they go for an everyday trainer, they're so used to buying the same thing they bought for years. A lot of shoes that have additions up in the twenties now. And I think a lot of people don't realize that there's some really nice lightweight options out there that still provide some great cushion that you can use for easy days or tempo runs. I know one of the shoes that we really loved was the Hoka Rincon um, this year. That was a very lightweight shoe, but also you could stack on some miles. Um, but for me personally, I love that that lightweight feeling, not too much cushion. I don't love it to be super soft, a L- little bit of firmness there, um, good lockdown in the foot, just something you can you can keep on for miles and not have to worry about. Yeah, they, they, I'll tell you what. I, I think that Hoka Rincon was was my choice for 2019. I love that shoe. And just like how you described um, your selection, the Nike Epic React 2, um, I felt like you know, this the, the Hoka Rincon was something that I could use for a variety of different things, right? Like, I, it was certainly great on easy days. I had no problem doing a long run in it as well. Um, and also, if you just said, hey, you know, do six by 800, but you're going to be doing it not on a track, just, you know, out on the roads, you know, they felt fast enough and light enough to, to go rock that as well. And for me, that was probably my favorite all around shoe that I wore uh, this year. Nice. I think those are really two similar shoes. So like, if you like the Rincon, you like the Epic React 2, it's, it's a very similar makeup. It's a lightweight upper with, you know, nice that I would even say the the firmness or slash softness, some people call that durometer of the uh, midsole, is is pretty similar in those shoes. So, you know, either either one, if you're more lean more towards your Hoka fan, go grab the Rincon. If you like the Nike, go grab the uh, Epic React. All right, so let's talk about um, those you know, Track Tuesday shorter workout days um, and what your favorite shoes are for those. Thomas, we'll start with you. Uh, for that for that fast day shoe that isn't a Vaporfly, I would probably go with a Skechers Razor 3 right now. I really like it. I've tried some of the other uh, Skechers shoes like the uh, the Go Run Meb Speed 6 and the um, Speed Elite. And I still like the Razor better than both of them. Um, it just is a really – their Hyperburst midsole is really nice, simple upper. It, it checks all my boxes for – just a fun light shoe to try to pick up the pace in. All right, Robbie, how about you? Uh, I'm actually going to just default that to Thomas because I've really just reviewed everyday trainers this year. So, uh, but like I said, even like the, the react epic react, I've still used for tempo stuff and that works, that works fine as well. So let's talk about Skechers a little bit because while it's a national brand, and you know, in more than just running, it also seems to have a, a strong geographic tie, especially in the Southern California area. Thomas, is that what you've seen? Well, they're they're based out of uh, Southern California, so they certainly you know are getting out there. I think 
for the longest time, nobody wanted to run in Skechers basically because of the uh, head trash that goes along with light up shoes, wheelie shoes, um, maybe your experience in middle school with Skechers. So people didn't really want to take them serious. But the performance division is really separate from, I would say, the main brand and uh, the stuff that they're putting out and and working on are some really high quality shoes that are really affordable and really perform really well on the running. And and like I said, the hyperburst midsole material, I would say there's you've got fresh Foamex, you've got the hyper hyperburst. Sockenies coming out with the Power Run and the Power Run Plus, um, you know, and of course Nike with the React and the um, Zoom, X. Zoom X. Those are the top foams out there, and Skechers Skechers Hyperburst is really close to the top of one of the best performing midsoles that you can get for a lightweight shoe. Yeah, and I I know you know friends of mine who live in that you know the Southern California area who swear by Skechers. Like, they, they won't even... Not that they won't entertain other brands. I'm sure they do. But they always end up going back to them. And it's funny, like, even... So I'm up in Rhode Island, and I can't speak to the geographic reach here. But even in this area, it's funny. Like, I live in a very small... You know, Rhode Island's a small state in the Union. Like, there's br- two brand-new Skechers warehouse-type um, retail shops that opened up within 15 minutes of my house. Two of them. Yeah. Like within the last six months or so. So it's so interesting to see this. Yeah. Do they carry the uh, performance line though? The problem is the retail stores don't carry the performance line. And that's the other thing when you talk about geography, you've got to intentionally want to get the Skechers performance shoes. They're, they're, you either have to buy them online, go through a running warehouse or one of their, they're not going to be at your local running store. Yeah, that's a good point. I haven't gone in there yet because they're so brand new. And as Robbie mentioned, I am battling my own injuries. So I, I'm trying to not deal too much with my injury woes with uh, with retail therapy as much as I want to when it comes to running shoes. <laughs> yeah. um, so I haven't checked it out, I guess. But you bring up a good point. I just assumed it would be in there because, you know, as a runner, that's pretty much my, my strongest touch point to the brand. But you do uh, pose an interesting question because... You know, if you are in that situation, trying a new brand, just generally speaking, with you know, say you're, you're looking to explore a new brand, buying those shoes online can be so tricky because not only do you might not know exactly the size you want, but just the fit can be so you know touch and go. It really is a, a tough thing to do, and you know you're almost better off you're just going to be buy your shoes exclusively online. You don't want to go back and forth with the returns, just sticking to a similar brand that you're used to. Well, now, you know, there's so many online um, retailers that have, like, it's easier, for me, it's easier to shop through an online retailer just because you can order five different pairs and you have 30-day returns. So you can basically set up a store in your house where you get multiple sizes, multiple uh, brands. The ones you don't want, you put back in the box and you send them back before it hits your credit card. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. See, that that's my issue is that I am a procrastinator by nature. So I am just tempting fate with that strategy. Dude, I'm with you, man. I like I ordered some stuff from running warehouses that I'm returning and it's in the in the office for like three weeks. <laughs> Under the line. Yeah, you kinda I, I kind of uh am type A with that kind of stuff. So I would I would I put it I try it, put it back in the box to send it right back. There you go. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. 
So 2019 for the marathon type rate marathons and, you know, the very, you know, the, your super long um, training runs. What was your shoe of the year? I almost feel like there is only one answer for this, but, but I'm still going to ask it. Yeah, I mean, there's one answer for this. It's it's the Vaporfly for for racing. When you talk about super long runs, though, I don't use the Vaporfly unless I'm doing a speed workout. Like if I'm doing a uh, like a test run for the marathon, like I know I want to hit certain paces um, during the training run, and I want to re you know kind of recreate that race experience, then I'll wear like an older pair of Vaporfly um, and then switch into my new pair for the race day. And, but like, I, I love, and that's a great thing about what we do is testing all these shoes. I'll take a heavier shoe out. I'll take a, um, you know, something that I wouldn't race in and do my long runs in it. And there's great ones for that. Like Clifton six, uh, is a, a phenomenal cushion shoe for the long run. I love it. The Pegasus turbo two, also another good one for those long run soft cushion. And, uh, or like a Saucony Triumph 18. If you want yeah. a real cush slice, yeah. go, go the uh, Triumph route. Yeah. And that the other thing is, you know, I'm, I'm starting, this is kind of a new thing that I think I'm going to be working on in 2020, is where we have gone with all these light shoes, I'm not feeling that pickup on race day that when I get out onto the race course that it used to be you threw on a racing flat and you felt, you know, 10 pounds lighter. So I'm going to actually try to make a concerted effort to run in some of the heavier shoes for my long runs just to see if it makes a difference for race day and throwing on that Vaporfly and getting the uh, super fast shoe feel. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned the Kinvara a little while ago. What what category or when do you use that shoe? Because that's a shoe that I also love, but I feel like I can, I use it in a smattering of ways. Yeah. Well, that, that's a shoe that I kind of feel there's a lot of shoes try to be a lot of things to a lot of people. And I think the Kimbara is probably the closest to a jack of all trade shoe. I think it's great for daily running. I think it's great for tempo running. And I think it's a, even a great shoe for race day. So if I was on a budget and I wanted that one shoe that could do a lot for me, I think you really can't beat the Kimbara. Yeah. You know, you know, one shoe that I really love that kind of fits into that same mold. And for me, it was like, you know, oftentimes I find myself going after like the discounted shoes. And I know we're gonna talk about this later, the discounted shoes that all of a sudden go on sale. And you're seeing a lot of that right now. And for me, a shoe that fell in the same category as the Canvara, even down to its lack of traction, frankly, is uh, the New Balance Beacon 1. Like I was a huge fan of that shoe when I bought it on sale and I end up using it in a lot of the same ways I was using the Canvara. Yeah. That shoe has been super, super popular with our audience Yeah, and people. It's one of those shoes my, my wife loves and I just never, I never got the right feel for it, but they're adding in the, uh, the fresh foam X to it. And so it, it should even be a, a lighter, more exciting shoe. Uh, as far as look wise, I think it it's maybe going in the wrong direction, but it we'll see. <laughs> like we got to see the new one, and it 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 looks nice, but I kind of I, I think it's a step back from this year's version as far as uh, the look. But yeah, that's definitely one shoe if you can get on sale. Uh, I know we'll talk about it in a bit, but our wide our wide foot reviewer Jared, he which we've seen a lot of interest with people who have wide feet looking for a great shoe. Um, and 
and New Balance is one of the few companies that caters to those runners. And the the Beacon too, I think he put close to 500 miles in a pair uh, this year. Yeah. And that's the thing with that high stack, it, you're going to get that mileage out of it. Looks like there's no a uh, lot of rubber on the outsole, so you're like worried about durability, but that foam holds up. Right, which was always the, the trade-off that you'd have to make in the past was, okay, I want the lighter shoe, so there's not going to be as much rubber on the outsole. And there's some companies that kind of have those targeted zones like Topos and things like that. And, you know, the other, with the trade-off being, okay, no, I want more traction. So, you know, I understand this is going to make my shoe heavier and that's just kind of, hey, that's the way it goes. And what are you going to do? And it's, oh, there was always kind of that, that push and pull. And now, like you mentioned, all of a sudden you can get these foams that have the higher durability. It might not give you more traction per se, but at least you can wear the shoe for the duration of time as it was originally intended, at least from a midsole strength and responsiveness. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think that's what consumers look for now. They've been hammered with the, you know, 300 miles is how many miles you should, you should expect out of a shoe. So I think as long as the shoe can get people to 300 miles, they're usually going to be pretty happy. Now, when you see all these new lighter editions that are coming out, and we can kind of transition now into um, the running event, because a lot of this stuff has been, you know, very much in vogue, these lighter, these newer and more cushiony foams. And, you know, every, it seems like every brand has their new foam that they're going to be coming out with. And while all of them are going to be fairly unique, how does it, how does it measure up with the old foams in terms of durability? I mean, the new foams are, are great, and I do actually think they last longer than the old traditional EVA foams. I think that you're going to see the compression in the old EVA foam, uh, you know, the air that was in the foam and just the, how solid it started to feel after you got to 300 miles. I do think people are putting more miles on the shoe. Like the Hyperburst just doesn't die. Like there's nothing, nothing in it that collapses really. And some of the other foams are like that. Uh, some of the extreme ones, like the ZoomX foam, it compresses, and you're going to see some other shoes that are going to sacrifice uh, lightweight bounciness for uh, durability. They're not going to last as long, but for the most part, we're looking at new foams that not only are lighter, bouncier, but they also last longer. Yeah, so I think one of those foams is now on the market, and Robbie, you kind of mentioned it a second ago, was uh, the Saucony Triumph 17, which is the, I think it's the, is it the Power Run Plus is the kind of foam it has? Yeah, so there's two, actually two different foams. There's Power Run and Power Run Plus. One's an EVA-based and the other one's a TPU. Um, but they're both, yeah, they're both new midsoles from Saucony uh, that are being used in all their shoes next year taking over the ever run midsole that had been there for a couple years. Uh, so the, and when we were at the running event in Austin, by far and away, the hit of the show was the new Saucony endorphin line, which was just hyped. Everyone was hyped about it. Jared Ward was there all day long doing his thing at the stand. Um, but if, if anyone's seen the pictures or if you follow Saucony, you know, they're coming out with three different versions of the endorphin line the pro the speed and the shift the pro being their carbon plated racer super light kind of a rival for the next percent uh then you got the the speed which is kind of like that tempo like faster shoe uh and then you have the shift which is your kind of everyday trainer and all of those will have the power on cushioning 
definitely probably the most exciting thing we saw at the show. And uh, they're starting to drop here in a couple months. So we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, I mean, those are the shoes. Um, the, you know, the Endorphin Pro, as you mentioned, Jared was at the event. You know, I've had Parker Simpson on my Road to the Olympic Trials podcast a number of times as well. Yeah, he's Yeah. And, you know, I know that they have been rocking those shoes um, for a while now and you know, the, throughout their different iterations and testing and things along those lines. Before we get into that shoe and how it can or cannot rival what Nike's putting out in that same genre, what is what about the timing of these shoes kind of missed the mark regarding, you know, all of these brands? Because obviously the whole carbon plate thing has been known you know, for a long time, for a long time, but several years now that this was kind of the, the direction that these shoes were going to go. And what about how these companies kind of missed the mark when it comes to getting all of these out to the masses and for mass consumption before this you know, run to the Olympic trials has occurred? Yeah, well, I don't know that they're missing the mark as so much they're kind of chasing Nike. And if you look at Nike, I mean, before the Vaporfly, uh, the, the original version came out like the, that was in development for years before that. I mean, their patents are in back in you know 2014 or something like that. And, and so really they're kind of, they're chasing that. Now, as far as come, getting all the shoes out before the Olympic trials, I can't attest to why uh, I mean, the it, development cycle didn't go faster. I mean, uh, yeah, I can, I, from our observation of the sport and just watching the sports, it evolves. I mean, you look at, you know, other brands are letting their athletes run in blacked out versions of the Nikes because they just don't have the product. I think, it, you know, when we were walking around the running event, the story this year was everybody's putting a carbon plate in something. Yeah. And some look good, but I have to tell you from the ones that have tried to get a carbon plate out there and put a marathon shoe out to compete with the Vaporfly, uh, nothing so far. It must be hard to put a carbon plate in a shoe because nothing so far has even come close. I mean, Hoka's done a couple things with the Carbon X and They're coming Carbon out. Rocket, and they have some secret shoes coming out that are that are going to another shot at it. Um, you know, New Balance has one coming out, and Stockany has theirs. Everybody's trying, but I think the mix of that lightweight foam that Nike uh, has in the Zoom X with a carbon plate. It, it's just a, it's like just hitting the right note. And so it, it's the same thing as, you know, a musician coming out and trying to come out with another hit song, unless it's just put in the right order and strikes a chord with people, it just misses. And uh, that's what I think we've seen so far is that there's just nothing that sings the way a Vaporfly does on race day. And before last week, that, that statement would have been somewhat anecdotal. Right, it would be kind of a subjective. It would have been a subjective statement. What was your impression, uh, Robbie? I'll start with you. When you saw the New York Times article that came out last week with with empirical data, and again, I'm not a numbers cruncher, so I'm not going to act as if I dove into the numbers to make sure that all of the scientific data and comparisons were on the level. I'm just going to take that article on faith, just for this for this conversational purpose. But what was your opinion when you saw that come out and? not only did it validate those shoes from Nike, but also showed that they were actually getting runners who were using them were actually getting more of a benefit than originally um, suggested. Yeah. I mean, I actually didn't read that article because I read so many of these <laughs> articles <laughs> about analyzing the Nike uh, data that I just hadn't gotten around to it yet. Um, 
But I mean, it's not shocking to me. I think it's obvious. You can look at the times dropping all around the world and it's, it's pretty clear. And you look at the starting line, it looks like a neon Christmas tree of red and, or uh, green and pink. Uh, so but I think the one thing that people, I think there's people get confused about or maybe is misleading is that this idea that this carbon plate is a spring of some sort, like, like a, Bugs Bunny spring bouncing you all over the place, giving you this crazy energy. When in the fact, it's really a, a lever that helps you basically propel, pro- forward. propel forward or propel forward. And it, it's not, ex- the energy return is in the foam. That's where it's always been. Um, and that's no different. And as technology advances, foams advance. Um, but what it, I think what really, what the carbon plate is really doing and propelling you forward is you're saving that energy in your legs. So, you're not really getting that balance. You're just conserving uh, energy throughout the race. So you have a little bit extra in the tank. Yeah. And, and strapping on a pair of vapor flies isn't going to make you OTQ. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's nice. It's a light shoe. It's got a nice bounce off. It's got the carbon plate that helps. Um, it's just for me, if I'm going to line up on race day and I've spent that much time training and putting all my work in, you know, why would I go with any other shoe than that shoe, especially when I feel a difference in my personal running and I've seen a difference in my times. So I don't feel like it's cheating, but I, I think there's a nice mix of psychological uh, boost that comes from the shoe. And then on top of that psychological boost, it actually has a really nice foam that bounces and, and kicks you forward. So I, I believe that the article was correct, but if you look at just like Robbie mentioned, CIM, all the images of those really fast guys, everybody was in. Uh, I think the only person I saw not in vapor flies was Max King. Uh, <laughs> the rest of the field was all in vapor flies, and if they were running for somebody else, they had blacked out vapor flies. Now, you've tried you know so many shoes, and you just mentioned for you. You, you can absolutely tell the difference when you wore them. So when you say that, what exactly do you mean specifically, uh, not, not, not merely in terms of performance, but your actual body, how you felt yeah. in them? I mean, really what it comes down for me is holding a pace and holding an effort. And does the shoe make it easier for me to hold a certain pace or a certain effort longer? And with the Vaporfly, like I'll take, I'll do some, speed work where I have to do maybe a tempo run where I'm holding three or four miles at, at a certain pace and I'll try it in, you know, one day I'm running in a shoe that we need to review. That it's a faster shoe and I'll be like, okay, I can do it in this shoe. But then when I do it in the vapor fly on another workout, I'm like, Oh, this just feels so much easier to hold this pace. So it's not like I'm running that much faster. It's just easier to hold that pace. It's easier to get into a rhythm and what what that'll translate into is if it feels that much easier for three to four mile segments, it's going to feel easier over 26 miles. And not only with the vapor flies, but this genre of shoe moving forward. Um, one of the other things that I've heard people talk about is that just using them for workouts, they're able to recover faster than using similar you know type shoes in terms of, you know, shoes that are made to made to be similar i should say and with that in mind 
Do you think that's simply because they have to expend less energy to maintain those paces? Or is there some element in regards to how it helps your biomechanics or its cushioning that just makes it easier on the legs? Yeah, well, I think it's probably a combination of all those things, but it is for sure. Like we said, it's, you're conserving that energy in your legs. It's, so it's, it's helping you, you know, rest or I don't know, run easier. So I'll say this. I, we interviewed Jeff Dengate recently, uh, runner's world runner in chief. And he was, he was talking about how he PR'd in Chicago, uh, this past fall. And he's, I think just turned 40 and he, he ran a 249, which is his PR. And, uh, obviously he ran in the next percent. And one thing that he was talking about was that his legs just weren't beat up the way they used to be maybe eight years ago when you ran a marathon in a Canvara one or something, which is still a good shoe. But like, but before maybe the next day, it'd be just hard to walk around. Whereas now it's like, Oh yeah, I can still go out to eat afterwards and do things without hobbling around. I, th- I think there's two things that play into that also. I don't think it's just the efficiency of your running. I think it's it's a super cushion shoe. I mean, you got a yeah. high stack of cushioning under your legs. So your impact on landing isn't as jarring as it is in, say, uh, the old racing flats, which were, you know, maybe three quarters of an inch. Right. And now we're up to an inch and a half to two inches of foam <laughs> underneath your feet. Um, so that helps a lot. And I also think that we we – with these new shoes and the, I feel like we're in a another boom of running where we have people that are actually training to run marathons. They're not just going out there and, you know, going through one training cycle. These are people that have trained for multiple runs and, and doing a lot of running. So I think the athlete themselves are more fit now. So let's talk about 2020 because I'm so excited because I see all of these brands really taking, you know, one or two steps forward all at the same time, as opposed to sometimes you see one brand doing something and then three months later, you'll, you'll get this other update again, by say update, I mean the general public, not you guys who are kind of in the know and can see these things from a long way out. Again, let's go start with you, Robbie coming out of TRE. What were the two or three things that you were most excited about um, regarding this, this field, generally speaking. And then, you know, when you get back to, Get back to full health, you know, running specifically for you and what you wanted to try out and review. Sure. Well, definitely the endorphin line for, for sure. That's probably uh, top right now. Um, we already talked about that. What I was really excited about was to see some uh, old timers, maybe. I don't know. Great brands that have been around for a while, putting out some new and fresh stuff. So I think the most surprising thing for us was ASICs, the stuff that they – we're are revealing for 2020 and 2021. Um, they revealed a shoe called the Nova Blast, which they walked us through in great detail. And then retroactively, after we published all our stuff, uh, put an embargo on it. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we can't really talk about it now, but it's, I can tell you that it's nothing like ASICS has been putting out in a long time. And they have a couple of racers and some successors to the Glide Ride and Meta Ride that are going to be just not what you you think of when you think of ASICs. Yeah. And just a modern, like, I feel like ASICs kind of got stuck in a certain time zone. And some of the new looks are much more streamlined, youthful, uh, kind of exciting shoes. I want to ask you a question about the Glide Ride, because that was one that it, there was a lot of hype around it. ASICs did you know a pretty big launch around it. 
and I wasn't, I was never sure. And it seemed like the people who ran in it do like it, but I was never quite sure what problem that shoe solved or like what, what his actual use was. Cause it didn't quite seem like a racer. I, I don't know. What, what, what do you, what did you make of that shoe and where do you see it going forward? That shoe kind of fits. They wanted to make it a long distance runner. So I would say it's competitor would be like the Hoka carbon X where it's a shoe that's supposed to be efficient and comfortable for a very long run. Now it's, not the lightest shoe. I do like it for a long run. I did. I think I did a 20 mile run in it. And it does do what we were talking about a little bit with the Vaporfly where my legs felt fine afterwards because you have nice cushioning. It's got a nice rocker kind of feel through the uh, stride. Um, but it it's definitely not a racer. It's It kind of has where I would put that is somebody who wants to enjoy running and comfort and maybe isn't as concerned with pace. Oh, okay. All right. So it's, would it be kind of in, again, you just mentioned uh, one comparison would also be kind of like in the Clifton six uh, or, mode. Or the carbon, carbon, X. carbon X. Got it. All right. Yeah. Cause you get that, that rocker and then you got the carbon in there as well. And, and that was one where the carbon X where it seemed like that was, was that, was that, you know, designed for, you know, these, these longer ultras where and that was kind of their launch, right? It was around yeah. Walmsley and setting the record and all of that. And then you, know, you see the, the empirical data come back where, you know, basically at half of the advantage um, that the vapor flies had. So do you see that being a long-term model for Hoka or is that just kind of like one step in the path that they're trying to head down to a more, um, I guess, I guess a, a more uh, effective racer at the marathon distance. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be their racer. No, it's not. And they are coming out with a well, they're coming out with a special edition one, and also at a Carbon X two next year. But we we know they refuse to talk to us about the two new shoes they have coming out. But we've heard it from other people who have either wear tested them or seen them that there will be a shoe called the Hoka Carbon Rocket. Um, which will be an insanely lightweight shoe. I think it's coming in somewhere around like under six ounces, maybe. Um, and that's going to be their that that will be their racer, and that's something that's going to be coming out. Yeah, and sometimes sometimes the consumer tells a brand what the shoe is, and Carbon X is used by a lot of people for a daily trainer. Yeah, and they really like it. It has a nice smooth feel, the rocker sole. So I think that. Uh, Hoka's taking the hint and it'll stick around. The special edition coming out soon has a more durable upper, something that can last for a daily trainer. So uh, I think it's going to shift into that mode. Got it. Okay. Now, Thomas, how about you? What were your, your main takeaways and things that you were really, really excited about after you left TRE? Well, for starter, for one thing, that, like you said, there's several brands that are having some exciting product coming out. So that Overall, was just like, this is awesome. We're going to have fun shoes to uh, test this next year. So that was awesome. But uh, New Balance had a really neat racer coming out, carbon plate racer that I'm excited to try. Uh, they have, they're just solid with their running shoes right now. They have a lot of, just, not maybe the excitement that some of the other brands have uh, coming out, but I... Well, they had a big year this past year. Yeah. So it's kind of their... 
the 2019 with the fuel cell rebel and the propel and stuff like that yeah so the, it wasn't as exciting as some like seeing like an entire new line from Saucony. the endorphin line was awesome uh asics was definitely it was just fun to talk to them and see uh what what's going on there again you know we we're totally pumped to see a marquee brand like asics coming back strong even even ultra which uh, it was just nice they're really kind of tidying up shop yeah um kind of trimming some of the lines down and really focusing on their their really good shoes that, that they have out there um like the Torin um and trail you got the uh the superior the yeah. peak stuff like that yeah i mean there's several several out there everybody's up in their game um so we're we're exciting that it, it when the tide rises all the ships rise with it and you can see that these new foams and these uh, new ideas about the running shoes are, are taking hold. You know, the other thing that we saw that was kind of interesting, I mean, be, besides everybody having a carbon plate shoe, you're going to see uh, shoes moving to kind of an environmental bend where like we saw the Reebok shoes had a castor bean oil based and a midsole that eucalyptus upper with yeah. an algae upper. And, and all of them are coming out with some sort of foam that will biodegrade. We'll see if they perform as well, because I'll tell you, uh, you know, as much as everybody wants to be an environmentalist, if, you know, you told me that, you know, my vapor flies were going to be in a landfill for the next 10 years, and if I wore this other shoe, it would it would biodegrade in three years, I'd probably still go get a pair of vapor flies. <laughs> so have we been able to realize Bill Barrowman's dream of the fish scale upper? Is that something that you've seen? Uh, not yet. <laughs> that, that won't smell good. No, <laughs> I know that you, you, I remember, I remember reading about that being like, wait, what? I, hey, kudos to him for trying to be a maverick. But I was, I was dying laughing. We were saying like, if we took, if you took that, so Reebok's shoe is called the Reebok Regrow and it's made of all like biodegradable element, biodegradable elements. And we were like, man, if we got lost in the woods with one of these, you could eat it, you could <laughs> eat it for dinner. <laughs> that's the next step we're going to see like a goo reebok you know come together and be able to like you know you know, c- come together so you can have actually your your you know forget the pouches and the pockets they'll just be right there on the shoe maybe like the nathan will come together they'll bring a straw into the mix no, it would have to be asics with gel oh <laughs> so, you know. there it is it's already there yeah. asics gel you can drink from the tongue <laughs> i love it all right so let's talk about Ultra for a second because I'm a big fan of their shoes. I ran in the Escalante 1, 1.5s a while ago. I mean, as someone who likes low drop shoes, that are you know, it was something that was already on my radar. I tried them. I like them a lot. And I when I see their just their approach to the marketing side of things, it seems like they're much more in the trail runner sphere than the road runners, even though they have plenty of road running shoes. Where do you see them moving in the future? Yeah, I think you nailed it. There's definitely that trail running vibe because they, they are a huge hit with trail runners. A lot of their mo- and their mo- a lot of their models are really great uh, trail shoes. Um, and I think that I think there is, even though they are the only zero drop company in the game, the full zero drop company. Um, I think they do have that competition of all the high stack shoes right now. So it is, it's it's kind of difficult to wedge wedge themselves in there a little bit but yeah i'd say they're a trail running shoe company that has road running shoes for trail runners yeah that's a good so yeah i mean they have look vanity fair is behind them now bf brands and they are 
they believe in the product, they believe in the shoes. And I think that's why we're seeing some, some really interesting, the style of them is getting better. Yeah. The quality, overall quality of the shoe, like when you held it, it just seems like a more well put together shoe. So if you're an ultra fan, you're going to like what they're doing. Um, I, I have a really narrow foot with a high arch and when it comes to, you know, the drop on a shoe, it doesn't really matter to me. It's more how the shoe is built. Like I can run in a zero drop and it feels great. And I can run in a 10 millimeter drop and it feels great. It's only if it's the way that it's set up, if it feels like it's throwing the brakes on for me because the drop's too high, then, you know, that causes a problem. But other than that, and then I look at Altra and I'm like, wow, you're really pigeoning hole yourself into the zero drop. It's like, you got to, They've been zero drop. They got to stay zero drop. And the other part of it is the foot shape. I kind of like some drop sometimes. And I have that narrow high arch foot. And so the shoes don't always fit my feet great. But I did really like the Torrin this past year. Yeah, the Torrin is a great shoe. And I think if you're looking for something that's in between the Ultra and like a higher stack shoe, uh, Topo Athletic also makes some nice shoes. And they're a smaller company. And you know them. I think they're up your way, actually. Um, and and they make some really nice shoes, especially in the trail sector. The Mountain Racer was my favorite trail shoe of last year. Um, and and they have some nice designs coming out for next year as well. Yeah, I've actually I sort had, of rambled. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I've had, actually had Tony Post on the show before just because he has his, 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 you know, his running life is so funny. I feel like his life has intersected like every major running moment or movement in the last 40 years in America in some way or another. Like, forget just his shoe brand. I was so excited just to talk to him, just to hear about his life. But you're right. Like, he, it, it is up here. I think it's in the Framingham area, about, a mo- about an hour from me. And I've actually had a pair of those. As someone who has kind of thinner feet, you know, there's some some wider shoes, thinner foot people can wear. Uh, Thomas, you know this as well, someone who has them. Um, there are some that it just it's just never going to work. And for me, Topo was, you know, the, the shoes that I had fell into that second category where I was like, all right, I just can't make these work. And it's just, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what makes those sorts of shoes more versatile than others. Um, in regards to their availability for someone like me. But for me, that was an issue. Yeah. Tell me you had the Vibram Five Fingers from Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was I haven't I haven't tried those yet, but you know, they're they're originally made, you know, to be on a boat. So maybe that's why I'll get them. Why are from. they called fingers when they're for toes? That's just that's all I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> that's another great question. I don't know. You got you guys are the experts though. You you can't drill down into this. This isn't like an investigative maybe report that that you guys can put out. I think it's I think it we missed the timing on that. Yeah. I think it would have been relevant maybe nine years ago. No one cares right <laughs> yeah. now. If we I wish an investigator report on that. It'll get 10 page views for the next yeah. year. You know, maybe it's more of like a 30 for 30. You know, they, they approach these topics, you know, decades later. Yeah. I like it. You know, it could be like a retrospective, like 10 years after born to run the, <laughs> the important questions we never asked. Yeah. I mean, I blame, I blame Tony for those. And, uh, I remember people wearing him to the office and stuff. I was like, this is not <laughs> a <laughs> <laughs> Well, what, which one is, which one is worse? Someone wearing Vibram five fingers to the office or someone wearing vapor flies just walking around in the middle of the day for no apparent reason. I have Ooh. seen that. I took a picture of somebody at the airport just walking around in vapor flies because <laughs> I was like, this is something's wrong with it. I, I still think the five fingers is worse because they're not shoes. <laughs> <laughs>
they, they make you look like you've gone down on the elevator. Ele, what do they call that? The evolutionary chain. <laughs> yeah, we're, going yeah, we're going backwards. Well, Thomas, I got to be honest with you. Those connecting flights can be tough. You know, sometimes you need that extra 4% to get there. That's true, especially if, if it's like cattle call seating. Well, or if you're if you're late for your flight, you need to that's, get 4% more saying, efficient. Yeah, yeah you're, exactly. All right. Let's talk about let's talk about the discounted shoes and then we'll dive in and then we'll then we'll finish up. Again, for me, that's always my thing. I'm not a shoe reviewer. If I get my shoes, I want to get them, you know, at the at basically the lowest price I possibly can, whether it's online or at a local store that I'm fond of. Um one here in Rhode Island is called Roadrunner. It's absolutely fantastic. But again, discounted shoes are discounted shoes. What are some of your favorites? that you would gravitate to if you were in you know the, the position to need to buy shoes, which I can't see you guys being in that position very often considering your, your line of work. Uh, <laughs> Robbie, we'll start with you. Uh, so number one is the Reebok Float Ride Energy. Uh, so that was one of our favorite shoes of really the last, it was 2018, but you can carry that into 2019, still around. They have a second version that just came out. And that is an amazing shoe for an incredible price point. I think the price point brand new was a good price. Brand new. It's like a hundred bucks or it was 90, $90. Was, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and there's Reebok has the crazy sales all the time where you can get it for like 50 bucks or something stupid. Yeah. And it's one of the best midsoles and rides out there. All right. Thomas, how about you? Well, this is where maybe it's funny. Cause we see people going and looking at our reviews. We, you know, we do the analytics and we see all of a sudden something will pop up like Kimbara 10, will start being real popular. And then we know why, because it's on sale and people are looking it up to make sure it's a good good uh, deal. And so right now, I would take a look at our best of 2018 and probably any of those shoes are going to be on sale now as they ratchet up to the next version. So if you have a favorite like the Kimbara, I would be going after the Kimbara 10, you know, any of the other models like the Adidas Boston 8, um, stuff like that going on sale towards the end of the year when they're getting replaced by new models. Well, and even then, in, in that vein, uh, there's a bunch of budget models that will either go on sale or they're just cheap to begin with. Yeah, like, uh, like I would say the Brooks Rebel 3 is a really underrated shoe from this year. Uh, I think they kind of market it as more like a lifestyle shoe that you can run in. Or a high school shoe. Yeah, but it's a great shoe. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I ran in it yesterday. Um, the, another one is the Hoka Hupana Flow, which kind of flies under the radar. Uh, it's just a simple shoe, but I really liked it. It has the R-mat midsole. It's really responsive. Um, and th- those are both shoes that come in around that $100 price. Yeah. They, they marketed the Hapana as a, um, like a, a, almost like a fashion shoe or yeah. a, a lifestyle shoe. But it actually runs a lot like the Rincon and the Epic React, too. Yep. Yeah, I'll see ads for the Hapana from time to time. Uh, on my different social media channels. And it's always like the dark gray or charcoal wool ones. It's never oh, ones yeah. that you'd actually yeah. run in. It's only the wool version. They yeah. only made that one color. <laughs> um, no, the, um, and the other thing, I mean, this is the time of year that, you know, once the holiday season goes by, you're going to be able to go to the rack and see what didn't sell, sell at Nordstrom Rack. Or you're going to be able to go to the Nike outlets and see what's was overstock and really kind of, you see some really good deals in January um, yeah. for shoes. I would say one more thing in the trail sector, uh, go for the Hoka Speed Goat 3. You can probably find that on sale right now. It's actually, we found it to be a lot better than the 4. Uh, the 4 kind of has a more constricting upper or more uh, 
less flexible upper, I should say. And uh, so the Spigo 3 is a really nice choice if you want really the best trail shoe out there. This is like the great time to buy trail shoes for so many people because like for me, I don't run on trails. I'm an early morning runner I'm, and I have a you know, history of ankle issues. I try to stay on the roads as much as possible, but I buy trail shoes for the winter because here in Rhode Island, we have you know plenty of days where I'll be running in the snow and I find them to be really useful for that reason. Yeah, I will say Hoka also has a line of uh, Cortex versions that they just rolled out. And I love my uh, Speedgoat Mid uh, Gore-Tex shoes. They just, for the wintertime, I mean, I'm not even talking about running, just uh, keeping out the slush and the snow and keeping your feet warm. They're really nice. Yeah, Robbie always looks like he just came from an REI store. (laughs) 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 All right, before we get going, Thomas, what can you plug about what you guys are doing? I love all the stuff that you guys are up to but you know it far better than I do. So what do, what do you have to plug before you get going? Uh, I'd love it if we could get more people watching our live shows on Fridays. They're 1 p.m. on YouTube. And we basically do what we're sort of doing here. Maybe one of these days we can get you on it. Yeah. Um, but you can rewatch it anytime, too, yeah. if, you, if you miss the actual live version. Yeah. And it, it's really been, um, you know, every week it gets a little better because we're, we're learning how to do it on the fly. So, you know, it's great. But definitely... You can check out the website, believeintherun.com, and our Instagram channel. We feature a lot of the shoes that we're wearing now and testing before we do the reviews. You can see kind of like what's coming down the pike. We also posted a lot of the shoes from the running event there. So check us out on Instagram, Believe in the Run. You know, we have a nice group if you like to talk to people and get advice on shoes. We have the Facebook group, Believe in the Run. The Believe in the Run Facebook group and super laid back, so you can you don't even have to talk about shoes. Sometimes we just talk about over drinking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So between the website, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and uh, the Facebook group, we got you covered. If you want to nerd out about shoes, yeah, I love it. You guys do such good work. I really appreciate it. It's absolutely one of my go tos when I'm either looking to buy a new shoe or when I'm just trying to procrastinate. Thank you so much for coming on. Awesome. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. These guys put out such good stuff. So go to believeintherun.com or search that on any social media site, channel, or YouTube. Again, they do such great stuff that if you like this episode or if you just like shoes in general, you're going to want to learn more from them, about them, and what they are up to. I really appreciate that. Also, thank you for listening to the show. It warms my heart when you share these episodes with the people that you love or you think would be interested in it, whether that's in person, telling somebody about it, or sharing it on social media. It's wonderful to see, and I can't thank you enough for doing that. we got some big things coming up in 2020. I'm not going to say what they are yet. But truth be told, I have never been more excited to be part of this Rambling Runner community, and I know for sure that you're going to like some of the new things that we'll be bringing to you. So, have a wonderful day, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year, and Happy Running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah.
Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, I'm amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.